Hey, Mason, I really need a good gift for my generic loved one. Any ideas? Oh, yeah, Andrew. I have the gift they need. If you sign up for GoDaddy's Economy Blogcast Package, you'll receive 1 gig of disk space, 100 gigs of bandwidth, recording tools, and much more. Whoa, with all those features, I'd guess that kind of package will run me at least $20 a month and be plastered with ads. You're wrong, Andrew. The Blogcast Economy Package is just $4.49 a month for 12 months. That's a deal and a perfect way to get your own website, blog, or podcast started. Oh, yeah, that is a deal. Plus... Enter code Muggle when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Because Santa brought Jamie back for our holiday show, this is MuggleCast, episode 125, for December 23rd, upon us this week and jamie's back finally hey guys and girls and why are you talking in such a deep voice uh well because i haven't been here for so long my voice has broken again which i've just <laughs> disproven because i started talking in my normal voice so that's a good start uh jamie it's been a while a lot of people have missed you a while i've missed uh, everyone and the show and i've missed everything it's been a it's been a tough semester that's why and my internet there is awful Seriously, I yeah. can't even tell you how bad it is. It's very fast. I can download it like three megs a second, which, by the way, is awesome. However, BitTorrent <laughs> doesn't work, which is dreadful, and the internet sucks anyway. Uh, oh, but yeah, I'm very, very terrible. pleased to be back. Very pleased to be back. But this isn't really the best time for you to come back. I mean, because, like, you know, we're in this holiday season. You're not really a, a fan of uh, No, I'm not a fan of this holiday season. I hate commercialization. Matt, do you agree? Um, I usually just fast forward through the commercials. No, no, no. I mean, like, <laughs> Christmas now is just so... All you see on TV is, you know, uh, treat your family this Christmas. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, Christmas is in a week. I should yeah. really get, uh, get buying stuff. But then you remember that it happens next year and the year after and the year <laughs> after that and the year after that. And, oh, wow, I don't have to do anything special this year. And once you realize that, you realize it's just another day. They should portray someone who's poor and depressed. Help someone out. Help someone well, out. Well, uh, we got a great show for everyone today. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Matt Britton. Tandem Bombs in the MuggleCast News Center with past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Micah. 
All right, thanks, Andrew. Time Magazine has announced its top people of 2007, and J.K. Rowling made the list at number three. Behind Vladimir Putin and Al Gore, the article features some new quotes from the author saying, There have been times since finishing weak moments, she says, when I've said, yeah, all right, to the eighth novel, but she's convinced she's doing the right thing to take some time away, do something else. She's working on two projects now, an adult novel and a political fairy tale. If, and it's a big if, I ever write an eighth book about the Wizarding World, I doubt that Harry would be the central character, she says. I feel like I've already told his story, but these are big ifs. Let's give it ten years and see how we feel then. CBBC News Round has revealed information about casting for the following Hogwarts student roles in the upcoming Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Cormac McLaggen will be played by Freddie Stroma, Blaze Zabidi by Louis Cordice, Romilda Vane by Anna Schaffer, Katie Bell by Georgina Leonidas, Leanne, Katie Bell's friend by Isabella Laughlin, and Marcus Belby by Robert Knox. All the actors and actresses are relative newcomers, so not much is known about them at the moment. We will update you as information is released. The film is set to be shown in theaters on November 21st, 2008. ITV has sent MuggleNet two preview clips of the J.K. Rowling documentary, J.K. Rowling, A Year in the Life, which will air on December 30th on ITV1 at 7 p.m., lasting one hour. MSN has released its most influential women list for the year 2007, and Joe Rowling made the cut. Notably, she was the only author featured. MSN writes, Rowling's Wizarding World has not so much influenced modern culture as grown deep roots into the heart of it. Rowling's epic fantasy series has made a lasting impact on, well, just about all of us. J.K. Rowling updated her official website earlier this week with a new news entry, FAQ, and Fansite Award. In her news update, Joe reflects on her experience watching the bids climb for the seventh copy of The Tales of Beetle the Bard. She said, It is fortunate that nobody was filming my reaction while the bids climbed higher and higher. Fiddy, Angela, Christine, and I were sitting around Fiddy's laptop in our office, the aforementioned being my PA and the invaluable assistants who deal with the post bag, watching a live link to Sotheby's. Once the amount hit a million, I kept swearing loudly. See, I knew she had this side in her. With every successive bid, and when we reached the final amount, the air turned a lovely shade of blue. Finally, Yahoo recently released some of their year-end awards with the Harry Potter series grabbing various honors. Emma Watson came in at number 3 and Dan Radcliffe at number 10 on the list of the 10 most popular stars of 2007. Order of the Phoenix was named one of the 10 most popular movies of the year, claiming the number 5 spot, and the trailer for the fifth Harry Potter film ranked at number 4 in the category of 10 most popular trailers of 2007. That is all the news for this December 23rd, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Happy holidays and back to the show. All right. Thank you, Micah. Hey, um, we have some news to go over this week. Some good news. WB has made some more casting announcements for Cormac McClagan, Blaise Sabini, Vermilda Vane, Katie Bell, Leanne, Katie Bell's, Katie Bell's best friend, and Marcus Belby. But the thing about these casting announcements is that these are all no names. Yeah, they're uh, they really don't have a name Who's for themselves. Kind of oh come on, Laura! You're She's Harry Potter knowledge. Oh my god! It it's Katie Bell's best Hello. friend. She's I don't the, remember. She's she's the one who's friends with Katie Bell. <laughs> no, but I never. I mean, really, Matt I don't remember this character. <laughs> yeah, she was who... the. Remember when Katie got um got hold of uh, one of the uh, the cursed objects and she went out. Crying I thought out. Elise oh, Matt, it was Katie Bell's guys, best friend. This uh, this term. <laughs> 
terminology is so uns- unspecific. Remember when in that place, uh, Katie Bell? Well, wait, is Matt being serious? Are you being of serious, Matt? Being serious. Of course, I'm being serious, you guys. That's, since I've been gone, well, that's pretty good because I, I can't remember we are Katie Bell's best What's friend. What's happened to you all? Have you? Do you even remember what we're talking about? What this podcast? About? Oh, whatever, Jamie. Whatever. I'm disappointed. It's a har- disappointed. It's a Harry oh, Potter shut up, Jamie. You don't remember either. <laughs> I do. I can tell you everything about that. Everything, Matt. Everything. Shall Jamie, I? you haven't been on in ten billion years. You don't remember anything. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Laura, Leanne is her friend. When they were in Hogsmeade and she got given the necklace, Matthew. Matthew. Well, I knew it was a necklace. I didn't want to say it was a horcrux, so I didn't think it was. I didn't know what the it was called. So we do know who she is. <laughs> but anyway, back to the point. I mean, it, these aren't really any... None of these actors we know, so it's sort of disappointing. We it's don't, true. We can't really talk about them. I think it's nice, though, they actually casted an actual Katie Bell, though. I agree, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a positive confirmation. It's kind of nice to have unknowns as well, because, you know, it's... I find it extremely hard to untypecast actors and actresses, especially, you know, for these kind of roles. So if it's a famous person, and they play basically a character who doesn't really matter, like... And it's cheaper. I know that's mean, but I don't mean it like that. I just mean, like, you know, a character who isn't a main character. Right. And I think we've seen that through Havana, who came out of nowhere and did a fantastic job, that, you know, they can pick some really good no-names, so to speak, and um, uh, create some great portrayals. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's nice to see some untapped talent come into the limelight as well, so it's, you know, it's good to see. But wait a minute, Andrew, isn't Zabini his first name? Isn't Blaze his second name? Oh, well done. I was testing you after 10 weeks. <laughs> Both of you are still very, very good. Well done. 10 out of 10. <laughs> um, in some other news, J.K. Rowling was not named Time's Person of the Year. She was the second runner-up. Coming behind Vladimir Putin. Who looks like Dobby. And number two, Al Gore. Who doesn't look like Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you guys think of this? <laughs> uh, there's been already been some controversy over Vladimir Putin being named the Time Person of the Year. Someone described it as disgusting. I forget who, but I saw it on CNN. <laughs> well, you it, heard it here first, guys. <laughs> it, it's not necessarily the person who had the best influence, I suppose. I think it's just the person who had the most influence. What's it ranked on? Yeah, it's weird. It's sort of there's quite a mix of people there. You know, a uh, head of state. What's Al Gore now? Is he like a vice president, or is he? No, he won the Nobel. He's Peace been recognized Prize. a lot cool. for his work against global warming. I see. Uh, um, so he's been very adamant on that. So yeah, I could, I could see, I could definitely see him being. And then Joe, uh, the person well, that, of the year. That's pretty cool. Joe, I guess that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. But then, coming behind the guy who stopped global warming, warming, then, or is trying to stop it. Um, we have to remember that Time also voted Hitler their person of the year. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm not right. sure about that. That's true. I think they did this just to create controversy. You were a uh, a front runner, Andrew, but they uh, they decided against you in the end. I oh, know. Last year, last year it was it was me, and it was you. Uh, oh yes. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. We were all times person of the year. Time person of the year. Yeah. Um, in other news, a- Amazon ha- has posted all five reviews for the five tales in Beetle the Bard. I don't know if you guys have read these yet, but uh, Amazon did a really good job reviewing these these uh, tales. And they give you a good look at what Jake Rowling has written in Beetle the Bard. And I was really impressed. I mean, these are, these are just like classic 
fairy tales. Um, and they're so clever. They're so fun. They're so just witty and uh, delectable. I just love them. <laughs> have, have, you, have you guys read these reviews? Yeah, I read um, – I paid particularly close attention to the one about the three brothers. And I just thought it was really cool because, like, you hear a little bit about it in the book. But I think you get a better perspective on what exactly went on with that when you read the yeah. Amazon review. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't um, – I had a quick look, but the, the thing that gets me about this is, is I always think it's funny when, like, a corporation buys something because I imagine, you know, Amazon to be this huge, daunting giant made up of everyone <laughs> right. from Amazon <laughs> putting right, right. in a bid for this thing because it's quite weird. <laughs> uh, so who actually reviewed it? Was it, like, the head of Amazon or did – or did every employee write, like, one word? Well, I'm looking at the Beetle Bard page right now, and at the end of the intro, it's signed to Daph- Daphne Durham. So I'm assuming it's that girl who did it. I think it was just one reviewer. It must you know, it had to be a really big Harry Potter fan yeah, of Amazon. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And um, overall, I, I think it's pretty cool. I think they've done a really good job. This is definitely a fantastic person to own this, because otherwise if it was some some random guy bidding for this book we never would have heard more exactly. about these tales yeah and i assume i assume joe's happy about it having the reviews out there i mean that's a fit i don't know it's pretty cool though i think yeah, it's, cool. I think it's I mean, cool that yeah. they're taking it on tour and stuff so that people can see it yeah right right, right. I, I emailed them asking if they had any details about the tour um and they said it's all very early in the planning stages i also asked them about whether or not they would be um Taking it to to uh, England, back to England, because I assume it's going to be in the United States, mostly. So I don't, they said they don't know. I yet. emailed them too. They, they, they gave me what? I, I emailed them too and said, "Can I have it?" And they said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Yeah, you and fifty thousand other people. Did you mention you were from MuggleCast? That would have helped. Yes, I did. And they said, "Especially no." Wow. Jeez. That's so mean. Yeah, they are. And lastly. Probably one of the coolest things this week. Um, ITV released a preview of their J.K. Rowling documentary. And the clip was released to just a couple of fan sites. And it shows Joe finishing the book. Um, it's really it cool. It is cool. This, I mean, it, it was pretty funny seeing this because, of course, Joe's in the Balmoral Hotel. And they have some shots of, of Joe typing on her laptop. And uh, she's got a pack of Orbitz gum there, and she's got a cup of tea with her lipstick on it. It's very yeah. funny. And um, most people put the lipstick on their lips, but uh, <laughs> fair play to her. Well, usually when you drink the tea or the, no, or the I know, coffee, I know, you know, it transfers. Yeah. Can you? I bet you one, that camera guy was like, while she was writing, he was he was establishing the shot. He was moving her teacup to just the right <laughs> position. Yeah, definitely. And saying, oh, Joe. This Orbit gum is not wrapped properly. I'm going to redo it for you. <laughs> Isn't it a bit weird when you uh, think back on it? Like when she posted on her site talking about ending the book. And at the time, we thought she was just alone in her hotel room. And now, knowing that right. there was a camera crew there, it's just <laughs> weird. weird. <laughs> I could not yeah. write with, with a camera on me. Because no, like, it's a very oh interactive God. experience, isn't it? Like, you might swear, you might, you know scratch parts of you that you don't want to appear on camera you might you know stretch and you know you might go for a shower or something you might do stuff that uh you don't want to be on camera that must be weird to finish the book i'd be sitting there naked (laughs) oh oh, is that how you write naked yeah well i don't write much but when i do when i was watching this i was thinking you know if i was joe and i was sitting there i wouldn't be able to concentrate 
properly while writing the final exactly yeah yeah book. like I would almost half ass it just so I could start talking to him more just to get it done yeah exactly and <laughs> and does like the cameraman uh you know talk to her because after yeah two once, hours of once silence she says. Once she says she's finished, finished, she says... Just kidding. You know, they're like, good job, Joe. <laughs> and she's like... Yeah. She's like, well, you haven't read it yet. Shut up. <laughs> but, High five. <laughs> that the, the only thing that got me was that she was just sitting there on her laptop in Microsoft Word writing the final book. I would think they had, like, you know, Joe would have her own special app for yeah. writing, like, Harry and Potter. Like, and, like, eight... Mm-hmm. Uninterrupted power supplies, just in case one goes down and then the next goes <laughs> right, down exactly. and then the third goes down. And right. <laughs> word, Andrew, that what does she save it as? Book seven. Oh my god! Oh, I must know. Like, how big is that <laughs> Google? <document? laughs> yeah. Im- imagine if she lost it. Oh my god! <laughs> imagine if she accidentally. Imagine if she accidentally was attaching a file to someone in an email. Oh my god! <laughs> she accidentally sends the book. <laughs> And it's like to some tablet or something. Wow. <laughs> wow, a lot could go wrong there. I wonder. I wonder if she has that laptop password. She must. Yeah. Harry Potter rocks password's password. I hear. <laughs> password's like MuggleNet four. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. But yeah, word. She can and type pretty and fast and too. His laptop. Yeah, she can type pretty fast. She was good type. Very disappointed to see she was to see that she wasn't using a Mac. That is though. a bit bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're really concerned about, you know, you've got this huge book on your computer, I'd be very concerned to be writing that on a PC. Me too. Yeah, I wouldn't want a virus to pick it up. But but anyway, can anyone tell what part of the book she's writing here? I'm reading, it says, A hollow tree, said Harry. What tree? Where were you? A forest in Azkaban, she sighed. Apparently, That's not in the books, is it? That, That must be a rewrite of it. Or a- no, wasn't that when he was talking to the ghost of Rowena, Raven- Rowena Ravenclaw's daughter? Oh. Well done, Laura. Second test. Oh. You, with flying <laughs> you told Tom Riddle, didn't you? His eyelashes flattened beneath his yeah. gaze. Something like that. Let's move on to some announcements now. Um, first up, happy birthday to Laura. Um, Laura celebrated birthday. her birthday on Wednesday. How old are you, Laura? 19. I feel oh. so old. Yeah, Aww. yeah. Do you know how old I just turned? 21, Jamie. 21, Laura. Don't I feel old yet. I knew you were going to say that. You're old, Laura. You're old. I'm 21. It's just like <laughs> last year. You were like, I'm turning 20. Oh, my God. Well, stop God. saying that you're old then. Stop saying you're old because you're not. You're fine. You have literally a couple more years. After you turn 21, you can complain. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. Even though I've been c- complaining since I was 16. One other thing we just wanted to mention today was, of course... <clears throat> We've gotten a lot of reaction in terms of our announcement that we are going to be ending the show. Uh, Laura and Jamie, do you want to throw your two cents into the hat? Um, we're ending the show? Yeah, we're ending the oh, show. Oh, God. I have to go start Actually, sending no, out I guess... applications. I need a new job. <laughs> <laughs> I was... Actually, guys, it was, it was a big joke. Yeah. We're April Fool's early. <laughs> oh, April no, that's Fools. so mean, you guys. We can't do that. That would be terrible. No, no. We are dead serious. We are serious. You guys want to add your input to I this? would say that uh, if you listen to it carefully, we... We're not actually ending it. We are just stopping doing weekly shows. So we're changing the format, basically. We don't know what we're going to do, but it's not going to be the end of MuggleCast. It's just going to be a significant change to how we do things, the biggest change since we started in August 2005. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's not like 16 more episodes and then the line is cut 
the guillotine goes and my right. podcast is over. We're just changing it, and we're not going to be, be putting out weekly episodes with exactly the same format. So um, the candle will still burn. It's just going to be a bit shorter, that's all. Right. Um, some people have suggested we do a monthly show, which I wouldn't be totally against. I mean, I think we would have enough to talk about monthly. Yeah, definitely, month. definitely. Um, I think it's something we oh, can well, consider. It just a lot of it depends on what, how much is left come April. I mean, we're going to be done with our book seven discussion. Really, all that'll be left to discuss will be news at that right. point and movies of course I mean there's no reason why we wouldn't do special shows to cover movies or conventions or anything like that but I really and I feel so bad because we've gotten so many emails and there's even a Facebook group now trying to get us to not stop weekly shows but I know, honestly I know. you guys I promise you you would rather us stop while we're still ahead than keep doing shows five years from now and yeah. bringing up these contrived <laughs> points that you've heard 10 times before but right. we've all agreed that if we get 7 billion signatures in the facebook group we'll start <laughs> we'll start doing daily shows so uh yeah. guys tell tell so your friends brilliant. tell your friends uh you know yeah and everyone has to keep in mind you know it is we're running it in april it's a pretty far it's pretty far away i mean some people are acting like you know the end is now we're we're dead no but i mean we still have four months yeah to go. I, there's that's still a long time i mean you know just thinking yeah. ahead to april feels like a while from now um so don't if if i have to say anything to the listeners it's this just don't please lose faith in us don't yeah. give up on us just because we're ending the show i mean you know we're, we're still gonna make these shows as good as they've ever been and we're, we're working on some things to make the show even better but just don't give up on, just don't give up on us please keep listening yeah yeah <laughs> at least at least till april i mean come and on also <laughs> what i'd say is um you guys don't mind if i say this but uh i hope but uh you know this is just one hopefully this will just be one podcast, and we hope to do something else as well at some point. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you know, we, so. we said that on last oh, week's okay. show. We would like to start a new project. So, you I know, mean, MuggleCast is just going to change, basically, considerably. So right. please stay right. with us. Yes. Please stay with us. Right. Yeah. And I was thinking... Don't get... Good. Oh, sorry. I just, I'm just saying, don't get too hostile. Because I'm starting to read some of the comments, and yeah, some of them are pretty they're... depressing. I mean, well, uh, we we realize, you know, we it makes us so 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 happy to hear how big of an impact Muggle yes, it really has, is has nice. had in in your lives, and really, that's the most flattering and but uh, like you know thing I've ever heard, and we're so glad to hear it's made that difference. But you know, at the same time, we do have to move on at some point, and as as we keep saying, we're not. It's not going to be the final MuggleCast. We're still going to do them. I think we should do after after we end in April. We should start calling the shows MuggleCast Update or something like that, sort of to separate these shows in April from the ones that we've all we've done in the past. So at least we know that MuggleCast was always a huge success, no matter <laughs> how many downloads MuggleCast Update gets. Oh, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's an awful name. <laughs> what MuggleCast Update? Yeah. It's All right, dreadful. we'll come up with something better. I, I, it's just an idea. I don't know. That was pretty creative. I mean, how long did it take you to create that one? Uh, five minutes. Well, that's not surprising. Sorry. No, I mean, <laughs> it's a very good name. I just, personally, I don't like it. Okay. And, um, you know, as this is our holiday show, Matt suggested this a couple of weeks ago. We talk about, we should talk about things that happened a year ago that week. Oh, yeah. And I listened to our episode a year ago 
this Christmas. And we were th- what? What was the big news then? Don't look at the show schedule. How could we not <laughs> wait, remember wait, what the big news was? Let me scroll was? up. Honestly, I forgot. It's all a blur Andrew, to me. Oh my gosh! the the title The title of the book seven was released uh, right before Christmas, and we didn't even talk about it. it. wasn't even really a holiday show. We we were saved by the bell because Joe made that announcement. So we just discussed the title that whole time. That was a very good show we did. It was. It's really weird. Like you think back on all the things we thought the Deathly Hallows were. And <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> it was. We weren't even close. The thing is, though, if you think. It was there all along. If you read um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and look about invisibility cloaks, um, you know, Harry's invisibility cloak is special, and I guess it's kind of weird we didn't notice. Although, of course, you can say everything in hindsight, and actually that's not true at all because it's very well hidden. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That kind of thing, but it's cool. Um, And then the the other thing that was made uh, a year ago was our final announcement to sell MuggleCast t-shirts, which I thought was kind of fun, because <laughs> it feels like such a long time ago. It does. Uh, maybe we'll try to do it again. But it's fine, Andrew, because uh, we can start doing MuggleCast update t-shirts, which, <laughs> which are going to be all the rage, I tell you. Oh, come on. I thought it was good. I Get your MuggleCast update t-shirts here. Today. Today. Well... <laughs> All right, let's move on to some Muggle Mail now. Jamie, we, we renamed to listen. Well, I renamed Lissary Puddles Muggle Mail. What do you think? Of I that? like that. No, no, that? I think that's Are awesome you? because okay, they weren't always rebuttals, were they? No, no, I really, right. really like that. All right, so, good. but I'm glad. since this is really sort of an add-on to the previous Muggle Mail, sh- shouldn't this be like Muggle Mail update or like something like <laughs> Shut that? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, first piece of mail comes from uh, Danielle. She writes in response to my DVD problems last week. She says, My order of the Phoenix DVD from Walmart is screwed up too. I thought it was just my TV, but I watched it on my friend's plasma and it was even worse. When he mentioned that the problem was during the first half hour and the last 15 minutes, I couldn't believe it because that's exactly what mine, when mine has the issue. Just wanted to let you know it's just not you. Um, it's because you got it at I Walmart. Meant to- that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I meant to prepare for this on the show, but maybe next week for the New Year show, we'll call WB on the air and see, see if I can complain and get some results. Imagine doing a recall of <laughs> 100 million DVDs. <laughs> so They'll probably expensive. just tell us to replace it, but yeah. n- next week we'll do that. One you more- should have all went to Target, though. I mean, Target's the best. I know. <laughs> you know right, Laura? <laughs> Another email from the DVD about the DVD comes from Emily. She writes, I was just listening to episode 124 when you were discussing the new Order of the Phoenix DVD. I also had a problem with my DVD. I bought the two-disc special edition, and instead of one DVD with the movie and one with special features, I got two DVDs <laughs> with the same movie. Since finding out about the problem, my mom and I have returned to Walmart and gotten another copy. There's no problem with the See, Walmart copy. again? I'm telling you guys. Bad employment practices. This is what mm-hmm. happens. Well, I mean, I don't Rolling. know if it's the employees no, 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 at Walmart. No, no. The I'm fine employees at Walmart. <laughs> Oh, that's that's me. They are. I'm sorry no. to all you listeners out there who do work at Walmart. Potential libel suit there as well, uh, Laura. <laughs> you got to be careful. Yeah, jeez. But if you prefix it with the word allegedly, you're fine. Allegedly. <laughs> Don't say that because nobody likes onions or accuses again. No, okay, yeah. okay. I didn't get that from there. I got it from the show Have I Got News For You, which is a UK... Uh, like satirical, oh, so they thing. got it from. So them. they probably got it from then. Them, yeah. Everything's copied nowadays, Andrew. Nothing's original. I know. You know, like everything's been done before. It's just done in 
a different way. Yeah. Our next Muggle Mail update comes from Asa Anderson, 35 of Sweden. She says, Hi there. I realize that I'm a week too late, but I simply have to ask you guys about this from the Seven Potters. When the Seven Potters changed clothes in the Dursley's kitchen, Ron remarks to Harry that I knew Ginny was lying about that tattoo as he looks down at his bare chest. I just want to know, how likely is it that Ron never would have seen Harry's bare chest after six years in the same dormitory <laughs> and changes in the Quidditch changing room on top Jesus. of that? It seems less likely that Ginny would have seen it, though I suppose it is possible. Okay, this is a PG-13 <laughs> podcast. I think we should uh, <laughs> ignore this one piece of mine. I think that's a fair question. Unless they use their magic to change their clothes without ever becoming naked. Well, they don't wash either. You know, and they don't or do go anything. To the or yeah, or go to the bathroom. So it's like anything That's could have true. happened. Um, I guess. I guess. Ryan you know, he joking. Did a, huh? He yeah, and he could have got a tattoo as well. Like he could have gone to the Hogwarts tattoo parlor at some point. <laughs> or <laughs> m- maybe they were just lying about where the location. <laughs> exactly. <of> the tattoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It could be elsewhere. Anyway. I don't know about you girls, but I can't wait to see that scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm so no. excited. Next <laughs> uh, email. I wonder how they're uh, going to do that in the movie. That is going to take so much work on Dan's half. Doing- well, he's not going to take half of the credit. Yeah. He's, he's not even going to do half the work. He's just going to just... Isn't say, that I a love really magic just inherently awkward scene, though? You think about it, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, but what I mean is, it's going to be a lot of work to oh, film. Definitely. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight Harry's, oh no, seven. Um, just filming him seven times, doing all different things, and then like putting all this together. I cannot wait to see how they do that. I hope they do a special look yeah, on that. That would be DVD. interesting. That would be so interesting. Yeah, definitely. Although. Although, just scout the world for six. Very, very good look alike. <laughs> <laughs> they might, yeah. Yeah. Our next email comes from Kenneth Logan Jr., uh, 20, from Hampton, Virginia. He writes, I don't know about y'all, but when I first saw the chapter title, I immediately thought of the Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End scene, where Jack Sparrow hallucinates on his ship in Davy Jones' locker and sees multiple Jacks. I thought Harry was going crazy or something. (laughs) I put that email in there for you, Jamie. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, it's like, uh, yeah, well, in the eighth book, Harry becomes an alcoholic and starts drinking rum like there's no tomorrow right now. <laughs> then you know he starts hallucinating but no no that's very interesting um i it it was a very clever plan but i just think with magic there's got to be some other way of transporting people like without magic you can like uh you know there are ways to get people to places uh and this is turning into some kind of conspiracy theory, but there are ways to, you know, to sort of bring people to different places secretly. But then I thought... Like what? Um, well, Laura, it's a secret. That's why, uh, you know, <laughs> no one knows. But, like, Delta Force and the Navy SEALs, SAS, I'm sure, have ways. Uh, but, like... Yeah. But I just mean, like... But then magic cancels that out because if one side can do it, then the other side can do it as well. So it just becomes, you know, hard still. But um, it was a good plan. But... I just don't know. Surely they could have mixed everything up. Like, it's like, it's like everyone 
puts their wands into a uh, into like a pot and then they pull out wands and each person turns into that person so everyone's different so they can't possibly tell who's who so you have like yeah. <laughs> two moody's four kingsley's eight harry's you know so yeah do they have to do do they even have to multiply harry well yeah. just harry take someone else's polyjuice potion? exactly yeah and then they could have he could have been anyone absolutely any anyone yeah or they could have um See what I don't understand is why they don't teach him to be an um, animagus. Animagus, yeah, and then his thing is like a single-celled organism, <laughs> so <laughs> no one can see him unless Voldemort carries around a microscope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they could lose him. Well, so, like, I, you... I was questioning about that chapter. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying yeah. they could lose him very easily. They, like like they you, could, you, you get would, back yeah. to the burrow, and it's like he doesn't change uh, back, and they're like, oh, yeah, whoops, oh, that would suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. That's very funny. Um, you know, there's one more story I forgot to put in the news here, and I think it's worth noting. Uh, well, we did talk about JK's Times uh, second run our person of the year. But she, there's a new little interview with her in this article, and let me quote what she said. There have been times since finishing, weak moments, when I've said, yeah, all right, to the eighth novel. If, and if it's a big if, I ever write an eighth book about the wizarding world, I doubt that Harry would be the central character. I feel like I've already told his story, but these are big ifs. Let's give it ten years and see how we feel then. To me, Mm. it seems like Jo is leaving it a lot more open than she has in the past. Yeah. There's so much more she can write, though. Like, there really is. I know. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, yeah, why doesn't she write about uh, James Potter and Elder's Crossing? Yeah, right. Or like Snape's story. Yeah. Or something. There's so much. Yeah. There really is. Absolutely. Or even she, Dumbledore and Grindelwald. You know, that would be so the tale cool. of well, lost that, lovers or something. That would be the uh, NC-17 book, Matt. But, um, <laughs> that that um, would be a romance novel. That would novel. be the romance I would, novel. I would, I would love <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> two very um, muscular wizards in one of those romantic <laughs> novel covers. Just holding Yeah. That would be, oh, yeah. <laughs> Their hair... Dump, uh, Grindelwald l- looked at Albus. Albus looked at Grindelwald. <laughs> Albus and Grindelwald, Grindelwald looked at each other. Wow, I, I just, might write it. I, it just seems like you know, it's it was left open more than we've heard her say in the past. It so. was, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, let's move on to chapter by chapter now. This week we have chapter five, Fallen Warrior, and also chapter six, Goal in Pajamas. Um, we're going to start doing two chapters a week now to wrap things up by April. So we're going to make one minor change. We're just going to highlight the top three, um, events in each chapter rather than the top five. Other than that, everything else is still the same. So we'll start off, we'll start off with Fallen Warrior and this is the chapter where, um, everyone arrives at the borough, and Harry and the rest of them all anxiously await each new uh, pair to arrive at the borough. So, first of all, when you're reading this chapter, it's set up very well because it begins. The chapter title is called "Fallen Warrior," so the readers know that somebody is going to die. Yeah. But at the same time, what's great about this chapter is that you are waiting along with everyone else. And although they don't know who is going to die, they feel like someone may, because it was a dangerous journey, and they seem to be set on believing that something is going to happen. So the whole time we're waiting and we're following, we are with the characters. 
Well, you're also left at the end of the chapter thinking that probably Hagrid died anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And Which, I, I I thought it was either Hagrid or even Hedwig. Because yeah. You, Hedwig? Hedwig was devastating. Yeah. Hedwig. <laughs> well, he was already dead. I, I know, but... Well, it, it's a she. She. For one. Sorry. There you go. I was mortified when I read that. I couldn't believe it. I was what? so upset. But Hedwig, but Hedwig died. died. Oh, my God. Laura, you got to see the bigger picture. She's just an owl. I, I know, you know, obviously she's, <laughs> uh, she is an important character. And obviously the uh, symbolism of the pureness is, and the whiteness is very important. And it shows something dear to Harry. But, you know. But then it, he, like. She's just an owl. Well, well, yeah. Didn't, she, didn't well, he kind of, like, blow her up on accident after she died, too? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's got to well, suck. Well, if it makes you feel better, yeah. Laura, um, she didn't feel a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but can you imagine blowing up your pet? It was closure, yeah. though. It was closure. He'd still see her, and he was like, <laughs> she's got to go. She's got to go. <laughs> some kind of closure. Though. Yeah, it is. That's that for that first point, I guess. Next point, Harry and Lupin discuss how the Death Eaters find out that he was the real Harry, and we were talking about this briefly last week. Um, and Lupin even describes Expelliarmus as his signature move. And it was funny because Ben's always been calling it his signature move, but I guess Ben read it in the chapter. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he remembers. I, I don't think he actually remembers it was in the actual chapter. Um, and then even after Lupin yells at Harry to stop doing it, Harry continues to use the spell through the rest of the book. Would it be fair to say that even though, you know, we might have thought that this was Joe's uh, a fault in Joe's writing, maybe Harry just kept using it to because he was so confident in this spell and he felt like this would get him through to the end because obviously it did. But why do you think he kept using it? Isn't, do you guys have any Isn't it more his uh, defiance and stubbornness rather than his sort of confidence in it? He won't and his um altruism as well. He won't kill people that are just there, you know. He's uh it does show something about his character. It it also shows perhaps he doesn't... I mean, he obviously does appreciate the implications of where he is and the war he's in, but perhaps he doesn't sort of... You know, like, the adults um, are supposed to be more s- sensible, obviously, and they see that there's a need for killing in that. And obviously, you, you know, the Order of the Phoenix has to be against killing because it's Dumbledore's thing, and he ha- hated Horcruxes and that kind of thing. Um, but... For Harry to only use Expelliarmus and not Avada Kedavra and seems like that is both, you know, defiance and it shows him as a good character, but then it also shows him as a bit stubborn and perhaps immature, depending on how you, you look at it. Because the time there was over um, for, you know, disarming. If you read that chapter, it's it's a family torn apart because these people argue about stuff they wouldn't normally argue about in the heat of the moment. And, you know, people are are dying all over the place. So, I mean, like, I like to think if I was there with a wand, had magical powers inside a book, I'd uh, avada cadaver people. But then, you know, it's a lot harder to do. But he also do. has to mean it. He has to mean it as well, he, exactly. I, yeah. I, I think he believes that he can never do um, an un- unforgivable per- curse because he knows he'll never actually mean to kill someone. Yeah, yeah. I I agree completely. Like, in um, when he does the, the Imperious Curse, is c- completely different to avada cadaver because, you know, he obviously thinks that there is never any need to kill someone, whereas the Imperious Curse had to be done um, in Gringotts, you know, when he was... Um... Yeah. But yeah, I can... Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the thing that got me about this was that even Lupin was berating him for doing this, and I thought that was sort of that should have been a wake up call to Harry. I the the Death Eaters know this is your spell, and they're they're prepared for it. They're prepared to fight. It I off. think he was really upset with Lupin, though, only the fact that you know he's seen Lupin as like um, his uncle, sort mm-hmm. of, and this is the first time that he's actually um, defiant to Harry. Yeah, he's, he he he's kind of upset with with Harry because he's not really I I don't really know why do you think he's he's a little um upset with Harry in this chapter just because I think he set himself up for possible death it's, yeah I mean and he gave yeah. his cover away that was the most important thing it's also because his cover. Lupin even though he was the best of friends with with James knew he was a flawed character and he's seeing those flaws in Harry and he knows you know those flaws um, some of them aren't good, although James was altogether a nice guy. Uh, you know, he wasn't always nice, and he's seeing the defiance in Harry, and he likes it. You know, he wants him to improve for his father's yeah. sake and his uh, parents' sake and Sirius's sake, uh, I guess. Yeah. And, and he even said that in this chapter. Lupin said, yeah. you remind me of, you, you remind me of, of your, your father, father James. Yeah. But I don't entirely think that um, the... Um, well, I don't want to say anger, but you know, the um, the feelings he had towards Harry after he heard about um, Harry and his Expelliarmus spell, how, um, I don't think it's directed mostly to Harry. I think it's also to himself, too. Like, he's putting a lot of blame on him for not yeah, informing very Harry true, yeah. and helping him out. Alright, so, Mad-Eye Moody is the one who dies in this chapter, we find out. What were you guys' initial reactions to his death? Were you surprised? Did you care? Um, I mean, I didn't want. I knew. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry Matt. Um, Laura, your turn. I was surprised, but I wasn't terribly upset by it. I guess. I. I mean, I always thought Mad Eye was yeah. cool, but he wasn't the kind of character I'd cry over. Yeah, I think he was a character we never. Like, I never had a connection to. I didn't. You know, it was sad. And while you're you're reading their reactions, the characters' reactions to his death, you feel for them, but it just didn't seem like that. All that of a an important death to me. I think it was just getting us ready for the <laughs> the bloodbath at the end of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I always envisioned him dying in like a huge battle or something because that's the kind of person that he is known for is fighting in uh, huge amounts and battling a lot of Death Eaters. I just thought that was kind of like a cheap shot for him to die. Yeah. That's what I thought too. It wasn't it wasn't his right right time. Um, do you guys think he was... Well, I don't. Is it a stupid question to ask? Was he the right character to go? <laughs> mm. I don't know. I think at this point in the series, a lot of it was about showing that random deaths happen in war. Like, there's not necessarily a exactly. reason for it. It just happens. Yeah. It unexpectedly. Yeah. And also in this chapter, they discuss whether whether or not Mund- Mundungus gave up uh, their cover, or was he really just panicking? Do you think he was just panicking? Because, I mean, I think for anyone seeing Voldemort and, you know, he looked like he was ready to attack him, even posing as Harry, he would panic. Legitimately. Yeah. I don't know. I just think Mundungus was a weak person to begin with. I don't think he was a uh, evil-minded character. Like, I think it takes a lot, and you, you can see straight away if a character's, you know, mentally evil, but... um he was just out for what he could get. Very, very self-indulgent. Very, very self-specific. You know, specific. He uh, 
he only really cared for himself. That doesn't say he didn't care for other people, but I think, you know, seeing Voldemort, you got to appreciate the circumstances. Seeing him is basically in instant death, you know. You can't fight Voldemort. Right. It's 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 futile, you know. Yeah. It's like, even though it's, uh, you know, anyone who goes against Voldemort will basically die. It's like, if, if you watch The Matrix, when you fight an agent, unless you're Neo, you will die. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's kind of like that. So I don't think he gave up their cover. And I think it was literally just a spur of the moment, f- flight or fight. His uh, adrenaline didn't want to come out, and he just... You know, disappeared. Like, like I think a lot more. Well, people... and you know, he's also loyal too. Exactly. Because yeah. He was in the Hogshead looking over Harry um, in book five. Exactly. Yeah. So he he isn't a bad person. He's not stupid. Exactly. And I think more people would get into street fights if they knew that they could just disappear <laughs> in, right. in the blink of an eye. <laughs> they sort of uh, you know swear at someone, and then as soon as they came over to them, they just pop and they'd appear in yeah. Siberia yeah. so um, and who knows maybe, go on sorry maybe when, when he when he apparated it was pretty much like um, an instinct or something that he did yeah like, exactly like once yeah. you see Voldemort I mean my first instinct would be to get the hell yeah. out of there yeah I really don't think uh, magic would hold up in the real world if you if you think about bringing magic to, to today's society I think the world would just be a mess. Oh, it would be completely. And the, yeah. would and the reason gone. I say it that be there. The reason I say that is because of Jamie's point about people just apparating after they pick a fight. And this world would be so yeah. bad. Yeah. Let's move on now to chapter six: the goal in pajamas. Laura, you want to yeah, handle this sure. one? Uh, this is the chapter in which the Weasleys are busy. Oh wait, wait, wait. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Are you trying to interrupt me now? I forgot. No, no, no. Sorry, I forgot song okay, memory fine, favorite lines. Fine. All right, so before we move on to the next chapter, we're going to start a new thing now. Every time there is a death in the book, we're going to play a clip of a song in their memory. And the song really? will yes, the song will relate <laughs> to the character. This was actually Micah's idea, so props to him. Uh, so now we take a moment to remember Mad-Eye Moody. A bit. It's kind of sad. I think that's a nice word, Godspeed. It's so underused nowadays it is. as well. Anyway, um, also, favorite lines from this chapter. I just put in one. Um, what was the last word Albus Dumbledore spoke to the pair of us? Uh, Weasley said to Kingsley, right? Or was it vice versa? It was um, Kingsley to Luke. Yeah, my bad. Harry is the best hope we have. Trust him. Aww. That is nice. That is nice. Aww. That was on page 72. <laughs> You'd think he'd say goodbye last of all, though. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Harry's the best that we have. Trust him, right? 
<laughs> I'm off to die. See you guys later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I. Um, that was just a shame. And too bad Molly didn't listen listen to that quote. Yeah, I would think Molly yeah, was really. in the room because then Molly raises the fuss about. Which which leads us into chapter six, the goal in pajamas. The goal. I, I keep <laughs> hearing goal. you say the golden, the golden pajamas. <laughs> in pajamas. Matt, Matt, yeah. that's the sequel to the golden pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you know, good thing you brought that up, Jamie. Can we just do a quick golden compass review before we get to the next chapter? Yeah, but don't spoil it, please. No, we won't. It was it was okay. Oh my god, did you see this one part in the snow? It was so <laughs> I heard it was awful. Like in terms of. And it, of being an adaption, I haven't seen it yeah, yet. It was, but I've read the book, not, and the book is fantastic. Yeah. The movie I've heard they, I heard they took out every single bit of religious symbolism or any. Yes, <laughs> oh, yeah, they gosh. did. It's ridiculous. They did. It is. And I got an email saying they took out the last ten chapters of the book. What? Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, they they took out like a huge. They filmed it and everything. But what they're going to do is kind of like with the two towers in Lord of the Rings. Is they're going to they, they took the ending from the first movie and they're going to put it in the beginning. Where did the, the second first, one? Where did if there's Golden a second Compass one? End? It's 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 a toss up right now if there's even going to be a second film. So pretty much they just took out the ending and then just threw it away. Where did the film end? The film ended with, um, well, I don't want to spoil it because Jamie's going to watch it. It ended with a long speech. It ended with um, the blimp. What? Right, right after um, the big fight. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, no. That's oh, all I have yes. to say. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was pretty much everyone's reaction, too, when they saw it. Yeah. Like, are you serious? Yeah. It was, it was, was it a bit of a letdown. But, um... I, I do have to say the polar bear fights were very cool, though. The polar bears mm-hmm. in general were very cool. Well, I like uh, my favorite are the, just the demons in general. I just thought that whole concept was was perfect. okay. And yeah. I can, want a can demon. some listeners please correct me if I'm wrong? But I was almost positive that in the book it's pronounced like Damon, not demon. They say demons in the movie. <laughs> Why would so. you call them yeah, demons? So, They're we, so worried about all because of the they fun say it in the movie. No, no, no. But they, I don't think that's how it's said in the book. But. I don't well, know. the A and the E are connected, so isn't it like its own letter? I thought too? it was Damon, it's like, but I know that it's like they're so concerned about fundamentalists, you know, boycotting this film, and yet they call these extensions of people's souls demons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Maybe it's just the American version of Damon. Maybe. That could be it. Damon. <laughs> Isn't he a senior staff member? <laughs> oh! Matt I wonder what Damon's Damon is. It's a smaller version of himself. <laughs> Damon Damon. <laughs> Encyclopedia. That's what it should be. Well, let's um, let's move on now to chapter six, Laura. Sorry, I want to interrupt you this yeah, time. Yeah, okay. That was the Matt and Andrew movie review. Ho! Back Yay. Okay, so this is chapter six, The Ghoul in Pajamas. Um, It's a chapter where the Weasleys are busy with wedding preparations for Bill and Floor. And throughout the entire chapter, Mrs. Weasley is completely annoying with her attempts to distract uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione from doing their mission. And we also begin learning some Mm -hmm. of the basics about horcruxes. 
So let's see. The first thing we have here is Mrs. Weasley's motherly concern with what she's, you know, she's throughout the entire chapter. She barges in on them during the few moments the trio have together to try and discuss what they're going to do. Um, there's one point where they're in Ron's room and she comes in and tells them to go sort presents or something. They're also outside at one point and she interrupts them. So my question is, is Mrs. Weasley right to let her motherly concern get in the way of what they need to do? Yes. She doesn't know what they need to do. Well, that's all. But, yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of this kind of relates to, and I don't want to get too opinion too opinionated here, but like when there is a war going on, people who are for the war tend to say, "Well, it's something that is worth dying for." But people who are against Isn't it, that worth fighting. For? People who are against it say it's not worth dying for. And I think it's. I think it's. I don't know. I see you. Have a well, lot of- she's also in a state of shock over her son, too. She doesn't want anything else to happen. Yeah. Pretty much her adrenaline's, like, running, and her motherly instinct is just taking over oh, I think so pretty too. much her, all her actions, too. I think it's quite – I mean, like, when we were – Andrew, do you remember this? We were in um, – I can't remember where we were, but we were sitting after a podcast on the live tour, and this lady came up to us and just uh, said, never – underestimate the power of a mother's love so i'd say it's quite it's quite you know it's quite tough for us to say you know should she let this get in the way or shouldn't she i don't think it's it's probably not possible for her to stop you know it getting in the way like you know a parent's concern for their children often overrides any you know instinct or anything like that so um saying that it's probably not you know it's probably a hindrance for Harry, Ron, and Hermione to do it, but it's something that has to be dealt with and dealt with accordingly. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and Mrs. Weasley is nothing but concerned. I mean, when you think about it, they're going out to fight Voldemort. I mean, that's she knows that's what they're doing, or at exactly, least yeah. what their mission relates to. So it, it it's a, it's very scary for a mother. And yeah, what it comes down to is it's it's the mother's protection. But there's nothing she mm-hmm. can do about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I mean, still... You, you, I think we can all pretty much figure that our parents, our mother, oh, would do the same for thing. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me give you so, sort of an example. Um, okay. I've said on the show, maybe, or maybe at least on Pickle Pack, that I think it was just Pickle Pack, that I plan on moving to California. My mom hates this idea. However, she knows that I'm going to do it no matter what. And one time she even said to me, I don't really want you to do it, but I know I can't stop you. <laughs> so I do this. <laughs> that's basically the same way oh, Mrs. Don't laugh at you. That's lovely. Oh, not laughing. That's very I nice. I know. My mother would never do that. <laughs> what, what, oh, what's that, My Lauren? mom kind of did the same thing when I moved to Maryland. Yeah. It's, it's sad yeah. for mom because she's losing her child. And when, when you think about it, if I, if, if I had – if I was in her position and like – or even say my brother my, or my sister decided to leave – I'd be at first. I'd be like, "Good riddance," but then after a while, I'd realize, "Okay, I probably do miss him a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, oh. I, I I think your mother will, will 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 see the whole gist of it. I mean, she's not really losing a son; she's she's gaining a bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and or and the recording studio as well. So uh, <laughs> no, record- yeah. I'm bringing all she this start her own stuff, podcast. Anyway, so yeah, I think that sums up that point. And I think that woman said said it to us best on that on the tour that never underestimate the power of mother's love. Yeah. Yep. And I think that kind of ties into the next point about how a lot of the times parents kind of struggle with the idea of their kids growing up. 
you know, um, in Order of the Phoenix, she continually insists that Harry's too young to be told any of what the Order's doing. And even in this chapter, she says about Dumbledore that probably he was telling you to do something he wanted done, and you took it to mean that he wanted you to do it. So we see that even though she has a great deal of love for him, she still treats him like a kid. Like he couldn't possibly understand the, you know, but isn't she more trying to use any excuse to get them to not do oh, it? Oh, I think like, so. It's, you know, logic just completely goes out of the window when it comes to that. You know, um, and although she can be annoying, and to me, she's one of the most annoying characters in that I don't like how she interferes in everything. Like, there are things you have to do alone. There are things you don't, you, you know, do uh, with your mother's guidance and stuff like that, and uh, although she is caring and means well, and she's one of those characters that does only have a good heart, you know. Well, weren't you a little I, annoyed in in book five in that chapter when she says he's as good as my son? That was just yeah, yeah. I hated that. Serious, I felt so sorry for for Sirius then. I really did. I hated it. Matt she needed a punch then. Between the I eyes, I like the, the carol yeah. scenes. Or at least a slap. I or think something. she needed a slap. Yeah, a punch is just a bit just much. to let her know who's boss. You know. Oh uh, yeah, just yeah. Bit. That's right. That's right. Just, just so she could pull the t- her tail between her I legs. Mean, exactly, I mean, under- yeah. I understand Not completely where she's coming from. Like, if I had a kid, I would never want them to go do that. But that one scene where she pulls Harry into a sort of side room, you know, under the pretense of getting him to identify a sock, and then she immediately yeah, starts hammering yeah. on him. So why are you dropping out of school? And it's like. Because you just know how much he has to do, and he doesn't need her to be yeah, guilting yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's but she's just her. She means well, but her methods are occasionally thrown into question. You know. Well, she has to have an extreme emotion of something. I mean, every exactly, character yeah. has to have something. She can't be perfect. No, she can't. She can't. All right. Well. um... The next thing we see in this chapter, and I think a lot of shippers were really happy about this, was a lot of tension between Harry and Ginny and Ron and Hermione. Uh, One of the first things we see in the chapter is when Harry and Ginny are setting the table together. They have a moment of unspoken understanding where they uh, both remember times when they were together. And it it seems weird to me. And I'm like reading these books and it seems weird to me that Ron seems to be the only one in their entire family who knows or acknowledges that Harry and Ginny were together. Like, it just, you would think that other characters would mention it, but I feel yeah. like we never see that, and I wonder if the family knew. Well, I'm pretty sh- I'm, I'm pretty positive that Fred and George yeah. may know a little something. And, of course, we know Hermione knows, but I think I think Ron is one of those characters who, who can't really keep his feelings to himself yeah. very much, especially when it comes to his little sister, because I think he's been the most protective of Ginny. Oh, for sure. Then yeah. It just seemed weird to me because there's, you know, one point where they're all having dinner together and Harry says that he found himself scrunched beside Ginny. And I'm just thinking of Mrs. Weasley, who is constantly the perfectionist when it comes to meal plans or any sort of party situation. And mm-hmm. there Harry and Ginny are sitting by each other. And you would think she would realize how incredibly awkward that would be. So (laughs) I don't think them. I don't think Mrs. Weasley knew. You don't think she knew they were dating. Sometimes I think sometimes parents are are really oblivious to it. That's true. Especially (laughs) with all the things that are going on. I think she's pretty much, if she did have any assumption, I think that's um, being put on the back burner at this point. And also Fred and George have a great deal of respect for Harry 
I don't think Definitely. they'd be the kind of people to joke about so- something as serious as that in front of her, you know, because... If anything, I think he'd be pushing people. for it. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I just didn't know if maybe, like, it was possible that Mrs. Weasley was trying to get him back together, or, you know, maybe... I think I think people knew it was sort of an awkward situation, so nobody really wanted to bring it up. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, Mrs. Yeah. Weasley knew that, that Jenny had a crush I mean she knew he had a crush she had a crush on him in in the beginning so even when we look back to Chamber of Secrets even even the movie when they were when they dropped in those little hints which was nice yeah. mm-hmm. just like a side note did you guys when you were reading the beginning of the series think that Harry and Ginny were going to get together beginning of the series yeah like in books two and three I can't remember that I no. never thought of it at all to be perfectly honest not until really the fifth book did I actually think oh that could happen but earlier in the series I was just like I I thought she was just this cute little girl who had a crush on hair yeah yeah. I didn't think Mm -hmm. of it that way at all if if anything the thought would have been really um, just in and out really quickly whenever they mentioned that Ginny was this guy and this other guy what? In and out very quickly. <laughs> Harry's got Harry's got more. Game I, I, had, I made no. Jamie, you I, made I am it. Not disgusting. judging. <laughs> I know. Huh? You made that it. Was disgusting. Well, he did catch the only time I was. I didn't have anything behind it. <laughs> it was like the only time. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. terrible. Um, I think it also depends on what age you're reading the book at. Because yeah, like, at our true. age, Definitely, I don't think yeah. when we were reading like Sorcerer's Stone through Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire came out in 2000. We were we were eleven. Like. Eleven, yeah, we weren't thinking about relationships. I mean, at least I wasn't. I wasn't. Into, hell, I'm still not thinking about relationships. I mean, you know, maybe once I hit puberty or something, but it's just <laughs> when your voice cracks. <laughs> uh, why are we stopping this show? It's so much fun. Let's it continue. Thousand no, more So, did anyone else want to slap Ron in this chapter? I just wanted to beat him. Why? Okay, because as a girl. She's I guess woman. I'm reading this and I see these attempts to show that he knows how to talk to girls now or whatever, but we all know he got them from a book. He admits it to Harry later and it just seems so fake. He's not actually trying to comfort her because he completely identifies with how she feels. He's trying to comfort her to make her like him. And I'm just, well, it's yeah, a, but she moves in mysterious ways, and it's no. And he, that's not does... how it works. That's not how it works. You are supposed to sympathize. He, no, 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 no. He has come to terms with the fact that he he has no game. He knows that. <laughs> he has come to terms with that. And Laura, and he, and he knows he likes Hermione, and he's actually come to terms with that too. So now he's trying to get with it. It's all he can Why do. Why are you trying to take it away from me? Because he's yeah. not trying to. Mm, it's so annoying because he should sympathize with her just because he sympathizes with her, but he only does it to try and get no. with her. And it's not right. I don't feel but like it's no, until but- halfway through the book where he really understands. And at this point, you not know you like it. No, it's all he can do though. It's, it's all he knows what to do. It's not his fault. It's just it's because he's pathetic, you know, but you know yeah, that he's going to come through in the end anyway. So that, but still, it makes me want to yeah, smack to him. Okay, him. let me just say something. You guys don't understand, but girls who are listening, no, no, they I don't get think it. You understand? They get Laura. it. No, I, you're talking to three guys about a guy's actions. Where uh... there has always been at least one or two times in a man's life where he has had help from somebody else with advice. Yeah, this doesn't come naturally to guys. No, because you're all okay. game. Game is not natural. Yeah, you learn game. Most guys wouldn't even approach a woman until they were like pretty 25. sure. Of- yeah, until they're pretty sure of the, the height uh, of their well. um, 
their sexual peak, so yeah. to speak. Whatever. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but there was this... Stop reading those novels. <laughs> yeah. What novels? <laughs> it's, it's putting dirty thoughts in your head. It's, they're all lies. We're not all like that. <laughs> what? Uh. Okay, I'm not going to pretend to understand. <laughs> anyway, there was there was one quote that I thought was pretty funny where it was talking about um, Ron went over to comfort Hermione again, and he kind of glared at Harry after Harry said something that made her cry, and it said, Harry could not think of anything to say, not least because it was highly unusual for Ron to be teaching anyone else tact. <laughs> and I think that's just another way to show that Ron is tactless and he's a prat. <laughs> oh no, but he's not tactless. Well no, he is, but he isn't a prat. He's just he doesn't know what to do. It's it's not malicious, you know. It's just it's just how he acts. He doesn't know what else to do. Yeah. You have to read the side notes, Laura. No. Yeah, the footnotes. Haven't you read them yet? Really? There are footnotes in this series, Jamie? Yeah. It, yeah, it's in a size uh, 1 Times New Romans. You got to oh, okay. really really Squint. But yeah, I think Ron just, he fails in this chapter pretty much. But he gets rewarded handsomely in the end. Yeah. yeah. Well, doesn't everyone in Found the end of a fairy tale? Well. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Bellatrix didn't really <laughs> win very much. All the good guys. All the good guys. Obviously, yeah. not everyone. That's true. Like, they did, yeah. Like Meta, yeah. And Lupin, and <laughs> right, Hedwig. Dobby. Alright, you win. Okay. And we see a good a good chunk of this chapter dedicated to um, the measures taken for the beginning of the Horcrux hunt. And yeah. one of the saddest things, I think, about reading this chapter was learning that Hermione had modified her parents' memories. So they didn't remember they had a daughter. And, in fact, they thought they were completely different people and moved to Australia. That yeah. uh, Can you imagine having to yeah. do something like that? I mean, Well, do you think that was actually kind of like a... A nod to all the fans in Australia, since there's a huge fan out there. <laughs> Maybe. You know what I was thinking, though? I was thinking, there must be holes in this plan. Now that her parents don't think she has a child, what if they decided to have another child? Or what if they decided to adopt a child or something? Then they're stuck she, with have it. Sister, then. They, <laughs> but have it doesn't a, matter, uh, because sister. then once Hermione t- took uh, th- his her parents out of the charm, then they'd be like, what's this other They're going to be pissed at her anyway. <laughs> they would I mean... When she brings them back out, she's going to have to explain what she did. No, They'll she probably wouldn't. kill her. Huh? <laughs> they could. They could just. She could. She could probably just um, um, redo their memory and just rename the kid if they if they name their first daughter or their second daughter, so to speak. Yeah, Hermione. No, they, they would yeah. name her Emma, I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but they. Um, I'm sure she can change them. I mean, it does kind of complicate sort of parent. You know, offspring relations when the um, offspring can change the memories of the uh, parents. Yeah. Like, like if they get grounded and they perform a memory charm, so they forgot they did. And actually, it's their birthday, and they were feeling very generous that day, so they give them lots of money. You know, it's like it doesn't change how things work when they can do that. Right. Um, but it just shows how committed she is to Harry's quest, and um, absolutely. And you know, I thought one of the most she's been. She's been the most loyal in the entire uh, book she really has, for yeah. Harry. Yeah. She's been more than Ron. Yeah, we can't actually. even say Ron's been loyal now because of that whole thing and later in the book. I think one of the most badass things she says in in this in this chapter was when she says she's ready to leave at a moment's notice. I was like, yeah. that's so yeah. cool because she just she could just pick up and go. I just thought that was kinda cool. 
Yeah. I feel like it's just another way of showing that Ron is like the last of them to grow up. And it bothers yeah. me so much. Because it's just his way of helping Harry just seems so lame in comparison to Hermione's when he disguises the ghoul in the attic to look like him and just puts it in his bed. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's an embarrassing illness or whatever, because they talked about it in the fifth book and apparently Ron was really embarrassed that anyone would think he had it. But I I just don't think that really compares to uh, making your parents forget they had you, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it is a really good plan. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good idea, and as long as Mr. Weasley's down with it, you know, they could easily make that work. It's weird that that's, you know, quite a minor point in the um, in the chapter as a whole, yet it's the chapter title, which again sort of illustrates your point that um, it is Ron growing up finally and knowing what has to be mm-hmm. done. So Joe makes it the uh, object of the chapter, even though it's just a tiny bit at the end. So another thing, okay, and we've talked about this before, where Hermione talks about how she just Accio'd the Horcrux books out of Dumbledore's office. Haven't we talked about this yeah, before? Yeah, you think like, he'd have put some type of charm on it. You're yeah. just sitting there, oh, like, imagining yeah. her going, Accio Horcrux books, and it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much a scapegoat. That's one of those flaws in the magical system that I don't really get. It's it's sort it's sort of like being able to apparate, you know, on a moment's notice and to get yeah. out of a sticky situation. But well, didn't all the um, the charms break after Dumbledore died too? The ones that he made. Oh, that's yeah, true. That's probably true. why it um, why she could do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, but uh, wasn't there another point earlier in this book where someone occupied um, a person? <laughs> that was psychic. So Oh, wasn't it You're talking to someone, and suddenly you fly out of the window and go to yeah. someone's one. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. No, but hey. seriously, earlier in this book, didn't they say Akio Hedwig? He- oh no, that was the cage. Wasn't? Didn't Harry need her to be near him? So he uh, Akio the. Uh, or- yeah, I guess Asia so. But I thought that he was trying to find a dead body. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, that's another flaw. Like, I could be sitting here recording right now, and then Jamie could just go from England, Akio, <laughs> Andrew. Like, that would be so cool. I wonder what the rules... How long would it take? Yeah. No, because, like, allies... Isn't it called... Um, so I think money. it's called uh, apparating, isn't it? <laughs> well, no, no, no. But, okay, but, you know, they also do the Akio thing a lot. So... I'm saying, I'm saying Jamie could pull me across the world right now if he had magical powers... And it would cost a lot less than a British Airways. It's <laughs> yeah. only two cents a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Okay. So um, they started talking a little bit about Horcruxes from what Hermione had read in the books. And what I found interesting was that there's actually potential to reverse the damage done to your soul if you feel remorse for what you've done. That's a very weird yeah. point. Yeah. It's very... How... I mean, like, do you think... you? You're like, oh damn, I shouldn't have done that. And then your soul comes back to you, or you have to go through a stage, and then do you have to cast a spell to do it for it to I don't regain know. whole? It just seems like I've, the word split a soul seems to imply you can't put it together. Like, you know, it doesn't seem like a temporary thing. Like, even if you stick it back together, it's still held by glue or, you know, magical glue. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, it isn't a physical ab- object, but, you know, it's like can you put something to, together that's been torn? Even if you break a China implement, if you glue it back together, it's not the same thing. 
Yeah. 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 Well, Hermione says that um, the pain of feeling the remorse can kill you. It can just completely destroy you. So it almost seems like it's a very small chance that you can actually repair your soul. Yeah. And I'm wondering and also, what exactly she means sorry, when she says remorse. Like, do you have to cry? Do you... Well, if you go back to Dumbledore's point that um, killing is not as easy as the innocent believe, he's he's saying that you have to be of a certain mindset to kill someone. Like, not everyone can kill someone. And it seems that, um, you know, there are very few people who are capable of both um, killing and remorse. So it's like killing... If you can kill, perhaps you, you can't unkill. If that's the right word, you yeah. Know? Like, um, it just seems like very, very few people, like a very minor percentage of the population, can kill and then feel the same feelings as someone who can't kill. Um, if you take Dumbledore's thing to be gospel, but it, I mean, you know, I agree. It seems very unlikely. But in the case of Voldemort, she said he's completely beyond. Uh, repair, you know, his soul's gone, basically. Yeah. And it won't come back. Yeah. And I don't think Voldemort would be feeling remorse at any point. No. I I mean, Harry tries to make him feel remorse at the end of the book. Yeah. But it's just weird to me, because, like, you compare it to our society, and generally, people who kill are not regarded as people who can be you know, rehabilitated. But that's so weird, because there are situations, I personally think, there are certain situations that sort of there are situations that people find themselves in very very rarely that like self-defense you know if someone attacks you oh i, I mean i'm talking about cold-blooded killers oh, oh right oh, I yeah, see what you mean. of course oh, yeah 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 but like but like people who you know i mean i think everyone's capable of killing not killing but you know well yes killing sorry not murdering people are capable of killing when it comes to a loved one or self-defense or something something like that very very rarely and they have to be put under significant and you know un- indescribable strain um but and they can feel remorse obviously and guilt but someone like Voldemort a cold-blooded sociopath can't really think well shouldn't have could killed all those people right, damn right. you know but I guess the difference is here, the person who killed out of self-defense isn't going to use it to make a horcrux. No, that's very true. You really only assume that the people who are going to make horcruxes are people who are cold-blooded killers. And it's just weird that there's even the remotest possibility that they could come yeah. back from that. I-, I highly doubt Voldemort's going to stop and say, probably shouldn't have killed all those people. No, probably not. Um, we also learn that as long as the device that a Horcrux is living in is still intact, it can actually flit in and out of the device, like, you know, with people who get too close to it. Um, The best example before this point in the series is Ginny and Riddle's diary, which, you know, answers a lot about what exactly happened there. Because at the time when we, we were reading Sorcerer's Stone, it's not, or not Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, it's not very clear how this diary came to be. All we know is that Riddle says he, you know, put his 16-year-old self into it. And that's all we really know. So I think this clarifies a lot. And also yeah. later in the book, we see the trio wearing the locket horcrux around their necks, and it's, like, falling right over their hearts. So it seems like, you know, that's another way to say that 
they made themselves vulnerable yeah. to the Horcrux by doing that. Yeah, I agree. And we've got just a couple of favorite lines here from the chapter. Both are from Ron. The first one says, And are they getting married in my bedroom? Asked Ron furiously. No. So why in the name of Merlin's <laughs> saggy left? Whoa. And then he gets cut That sounds off. like something I would say. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's a good point. Like, the mother, <laughs> you know how your mom always tells you to clean your room? Like, say, like, you're having family over for Thanksgiving. Like, clean your room. Yeah. Okay. Nobody's coming up here, but okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, next time I get mad at my mom, I'm going to ask her why in the name of Merlin's side you love to, I have to do that. Another one? <laughs> the other one is, oh, well, lucky we've got such a large supply of basilisk veins then, said Ron. I was wondering what we were going to do with that. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. I like that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Joe's I like his funny. Sarcasm. Like, Joe is legitimately funny. She is, yeah. I like, her sarcasm is very good. Yeah. You know. It's not bad at all. I love it. We, we have one email uh, concerning chapter by chapter this week. This comes from Shannon, 18 of no- Novi, Michigan. She writes, throughout this last book, there are a few times, starting with chapter five, that we think Hagrid has been killed. J.K. Rowling has said many times that most people asked, asked her not to kill Hagrid, and so I assume this was just to keep us on our toes, to tease us. And while this has nothing to do as much with the chapter itself, I was wondering what you guys thought about this plea from fans. What do you think Hagrid, why do you think Hagrid was the one character that the majority begged her not to kill? I think this is an interesting question because leading up to book seven, everyone was worried that Hagrid was going to bite the dust because he's always that, you know, he's a big, strong character, but at the same time, he's innocent. He could get killed. He, he Do you guys agree? Be, he's so tough. In, in chapter five, Harry, once he wakes up, he immediately starts looking for Hagrid and he tries to push Ted Tonks out of the way. He's like, get out of the way. I need to find need to find, I need to see Hagrid. He wouldn't believe that Hagrid was okay until he saw him. So you know, it just shows that how attached Harry is to Hagrid and how important Hagrid is in Harry's life. And he was the first magical character, or magical person in the magical world that he met. And Hagrid had such a huge influence. And, you know, it's still a far way away, but, um, the f- that chapter where Hagrid carries Harry's supposed- supposedly dead body out is just fantastic. Um, so, so do you guys think that you know there is a big fan connection with Hagrid? There is. That he is he is a completely yeah. special person in uh, Harry's life. But, you know, he was the person who uh, um, introduced him to the magical world. He's the one who trusted. He's the one who who he knows is always going to be there. Like a different one to. Um, Hermione and Ron, you know, they're, they're, they're friends. Hagrid is a kind of friend and father figure, which I, I think Harry likes because he's had tr- some type of trouble with father figures. Like, Sirius ha- hasn't always, um, you know, <laughs> told him what he wants, you know. <laughs> um, uh, Dumbledore didn't always listen to him. He still he still loved these people, but it was a completely different type, whereas Hagrid is both a friend and a mentor, so there is a special connection, I think. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on now to... Quote quiz, 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 quiz. Quiz, quiz, quiz. So, Jamie, quiz, we're doing this new... <laughs> Jamie, we're doing this new thing um, where we quiz the listeners on a quote. Uh, okay, cool. in the upcoming chapter. So this is just a little one. This comes in chapter seven. The quote oh, I is, I shall tell you that when we are somewhere more private. 
Which book is that from? And who is he talking to? Oh, jeez. It's not a Harry Potter book. (laughs) Guys, grow up. It's a fan fiction. (laughs) You guys are are immature. Hey, here's something we haven't done in a while. Jamie's British joke of the day. Okay. Three months. Of the past three months. So it better be good. Okay. Well, there's this couple, okay? Yeah. Bob and Judy. And Bob is severely in trouble because he forgot his wedding anniversary and his wife was really annoyed, very, very annoyed. And she told him, tomorrow morning, no excuses, I expect to find a gift in the driveway that goes from zero to 200 in six seconds and it better be there. So the next morning, uh, he went up early and left for work and his wife woke up. She looked out of the window and sure enough, there was a box gift-wrapped in the middle of the driveway. So she thought, wow, he's made up for it. I shouldn't be angry with him anymore. And uh, she got up, put on her robe, ran out to the driveway, brought the box back in the house and undid it. And she opened it to find a brand new bathroom scale. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. Oh, 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 oh my God, that's awful. (laughs) It took six seconds for that little thing to reach up to 200, though? pretty bad. Well, it, it, it was probably going back and forth because it went all the way over. <laughs> That's true. It probably took six seconds to stop. <laughs> That's that's funny, Jamie. That was, that's a good one to come back oh, with. That was funny. I was expecting you for to say, like, rocket ship or something. <laughs> yeah, I was going yeah, to say something like a, a snake or something. <laughs> snake can't go 200 in under six seconds. That's funny. That's good. Huh. Well, um, since huh. this week is our holiday show, um, Stephanie, 15 of California, wrote in with a little Christmas contribution, like I asked. Ode to MuggleCast. It's raining here at my home on a dreary afternoon. I'm really bored out of my mind, but I know just what to do. Kick my brother off the computer and plug my blue iPod in. Download MuggleCast to have some fun, because it always makes me grin. Micah, Jamie, Laura, Ben are always good for laughs. Andrew, Mike, and Eric, Kevin, they're one of the best staffs. Amazing, wonderful, incredibly insightful. What an extraordinary group. They warm my heart and my ears like a bowl of chicken soup. No! It's much too soon. I haven't met them yet. But if they do go soon in April, then they owe me a debt. Allegedly. Two years of my life will be ending as well, for I've listened all the while. Arguments, jokes, debates, and tears, but still all ending with a smile. Until that day, Merry Christmas to you, to the casters and the million fans. May we all be blessed with people like you, even after the hourglass runs out of sand. Aww, that was so sweet. Aww. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. That was very nice. What's everyone was doing? Sad. It was kind of sad, but it was bittersweet. What's everyone doing for uh, Christmas this year? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to be, um, I'll be at home opening presents. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go see Sweeney Todd with my family on Christmas Eve, and then I'm going to open presents. Oh, that's great. And uh, I'm going to be just here at home with the family. And then the day after Yeah, that, this is going to be a weird Christmas. Why? From For a lot of us. Why? Because the day after, we're not going to be home. Oh, no, 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 no. Jamie and I are uh, experts in this field. We know what it's like to leave the day after Christmas. Or Christmas Day, uh, 
Oh, Christmas Day! Yeah, Jamie's leaving Christmas Day. <laughs> I, uh, I tell you, I had to use all of my skills, uh, convincing skills to convince my mum to drive me to the airport on Christmas Day at 5am. <laughs> Actually, I did. That's not true. That's not true. She didn't mind at all, so it's Wait, 5am Christmas Day you're leaving? <laughs> yeah! Jesus. Yeah, because my flight leaves at, uh, oh 11.15am from, uh, Heathrow. So, uh, I have to get there early, then check in. Wait, is she actually driving you to Heathrow? No, I'm walking. No, I mean, are you taking a train? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's driving me. She's driving me. Well, no, I'm driving there, and she's driving back. Oh, okay. Wow. I'm still convincing my mom to let me go. Aww. And this is the day after Christmas. Well, your flight's already booked, so... I guess, you know, that's one talking point. <laughs> Alright, yeah, so we're gonna have some fun. So I think that's it for this episode of MongoCast. We gotta remind everyone about our contact information. Laura, what's the P.O. Box? It's P.O. Box 3151, coming Georgia, 30028. You can also visit MuggleCast.com for a handy feedback form where you can contact any one of us at our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Exception of Matt, he's Matthew B. at staff.mugglenet.com. You can also visit the site for community outlets such as the MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Prapper, Last.fm, and the fan listing. I think that just about does it for us this week. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Matt Britton. Thanks Merry everyone Christmas. for listening. Merry Christmas to all. Ho ho ho. ho. Happy happy Carol. Happy happy, happy Hanukkah. Yes, we got to get through them all, or otherwise people. Even though Hanukkah is already over. Well, oh well. But we hope you had a happy, happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. Happy twenty fifth of December. Yes. Happy holidays, ladies and gentlemen. Boys Yay. and girls. In the words of Micah Tannenbaum Cats for episode one twenty four, Bah humbug. Bah humbug. We'll see everyone next week for our New Year's special, episode 126. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.